BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm Jenna Ellis, and welcome to Just the Truth podcast, sponsored by the Thomas More Society, which is a not-for-profit national public interest law firm dedicated to restoring respect in law for life, family, and religious liberty. You can find them at thomasmoresociety.org. Today was just a regular day in the fake news media cycle. In case you missed it, Axios reported this headline, by the numbers calling congressional attendance. They reported completely factually that Congressman Madison Cawthorn was leading the pack of Republican freshmen for the most missed votes at a shocking 16.2%. I did the math, yeah, I'm a lawyer, but I can do math, and out of the 144 votes so far this Congress, that means that Cawthorn missed 23. So what's the deal? Well, like almost all leftist headlines, there is usually more to the story. I did a little bit of digging, and it turns out that Cawthorn did miss 23 votes, but all during the week of April 12th, and for a very good reason. He was on his honeymoon. Now, it took me all of 15 minutes to uncover the full truth. So why didn't Axios look into this before publishing this story? The reason is obvious and very simple. They wanted to pull a hit job on Cawthorn. Media does this all the time. They push out something that's factually true, but they don't tell the full story, and they frame it in a way to be intentionally misleading. The intention of this Axios story was to lead you to believe that Cawthorn is irresponsible and shirking his duty. Because after all, the House Democrat freshman, who missed the most votes, is at a 2.8%, and they can say, hey, those are the facts. The record speaks for itself. But sometimes the black and white facts don't present the entire story or tell the full truth. And the activist journalists know that. That is why the whole truth is incredibly important. Cawthorn's staff reached out to Axios, who later put in a statement in the story. But I checked and Axios didn't update their headline or tweet a correction or even an update. They're hoping that you missed it. Because the fast-paced news cycle In the fast-paced news cycle, once the intentionally misleading information is out there, it's very difficult to correct, and they do that intentionally also. It's the job of the press to hold elected officials accountable, but it's also their job to be fair and accurate. This story may have been completely factual, but it wasn't fair or accurate. Shame on you, Axios, and every fake news media outlet. Do better. Believe me, I know what it's like to be the target of a fake news hit job. It's disgusting and completely against every ethical standard for journalists. And I'm a journalist too. That's actually my bachelor's degree, in case you're wondering, Wall Street Journal. But these people aren't journalists, they're activists. So for you and me, the American people, we can't just believe everything the media tries to sell us. We have to do better too. Because the full truth matters. And that's my opening statement. So turning now to an update from Philadelphia and Independence Hall, where our Real News, a Real America's Voice correspondents, Ben Berkwam and Amanda Head, are ready for a live town hall tomorrow. Very exciting. (laughs) 
Hey guys, great to see you. What is happening in Philadelphia? Thanks, Jenna. It's uh, an honor to be on with you, and I absolutely agree with your opening statement, as I do every day. But we are Thank here you. speaking of uh, the, the truth and what the left doesn't want you to know and the lies coming from the fake news media. We are in the, the birthplace of liberty in America, Philadelphia, where the Declaration of Independence was written. We're actually out in front of City Tavern, where many of our founding fathers got together and had drinks and discussed breaking away from Britain. Uh, we will be out in front of Independence Hall tomorrow for a special from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern, discussing that very point, discussing voter fraud. We have David Shostokas with us as well. But really, it's about the founding of this nation, where it all started, and where it's gone wrong, and how do we get it back to the, the values that our, our founders intended. That sounds awesome. And so, um, Amanda, do you, are, do you expect um, a, a crowd to come and are they gonna come with questions or you know what's kind of the style of town hall? And this is gonna air uh, two to three tomorrow here on Real America's Voice. Right, yeah, so we've got a couple different locations and it'll be interesting to hear how people around us feel when we're talking to the crowd. Because you have to remember Philadelphia County voted, I think, 82% for Joe Biden, but something interesting that I've noticed, and it is absolutely not a coincidence, is that the people who we have spoken to here who know, love, and study history, like park guides here, are on our side of the aisle. And that's definitely not a coincidence because when you learn our history and when you value our history and you learn what a miraculous set of circumstances it was for the founding of our country to come to fruition. And then you look at things in the current day context and it, it gives you a completely different perspective on everything that's happening. Yeah, and Ben, you know, I really wish that uh, Prince Harry would join you tomorrow, you know, because he said the other day that, uh, you know, the First Amendment is bonkers, I think, and I, and I think that he should recognize that we kind of already won that war, and he should check with his ancestors and his own history about that. But that's why this is so important for Americans to understand where we came from and why our founding principles matter, because America is all about a, a shared idea. And there in Pennsylvania, it's one of my favorite places. I love the Constitution. I love that uh, the majority of the signers were actually lawyers. They understood uh, what it meant to have a legitimate system of government. They debated so strongly uh, what the best system of government was. And so, you know, what are you looking forward to the most out of uh, tomorrow's tour and town hall? Well, it's really, to me, it's about reigniting that passion for the, the truth of this nation. And we, we are in a battle right now for the future of this country, for the future of liberty, uh, and not just for America, because if America falls, the world falls. And I, I use the quote, uh, my friend David Shostokas, as I mentioned, is going to be joining us at that event. And he challenged us. I was on the road with him last year going to South Dakota when President Trump went up there to Mount Rushmore. Uh, for the 4th of July, and he challenged us all to learn the first 55 words of the Declaration of Independence. And to me, if, any, if you don't get anything else from this, teach your kids these 55 words. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. If every one of us in this nation understood that truth, that one truth, 
we would reform and, and restore this nation. Because you go on right after that, and it talks about why we created this nation and, and the, uh, the, you know, the fight that our founders were in and the injustices that they lived through. If you read those injustices, many of those are similar to the injustices that our government, uh, the, you know, the employees of we the people, are, mm -hmm. are putting us through now. And that's really what I want to see is a reinvigoration of those values. Yeah, well, so well said, Ben. And, you know, that is our worldview statement. That is uh, what our country was founded on. And so I'm really looking forward to this tomorrow. Thank you guys so much for being with me here on Just the Truth. And we're going to be right back to talk more about the truth with my very good friend, Eric Metaxas, and what's going on in Israel, everything from a biblical perspective. We'll be right back. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back to Just the Truth, and we are going to have a deep dive conversation with my good friend Eric Metaxas, who is the author of Fish Out of Water. It's a wonderful, fantastic book. He has such an amazing testimony, and he's also the host of The Eric Metaxas Show, where I get to be a guest quite often, but tonight he's going to join us here. I love having him on the show. And the biggest thing that's going on right now, or one of the biggest things across uh, the global political landscape, of course, is Israel and uh, this continuing and ongoing war with Palestine and the whole idea of just war theory. And Prager University was trending on Twitter yesterday for releasing a video that Benjamin Netanyahu actually retweeted that talks about Israel's military. Watch this. There are two views of the Israeli military, what you hear in most of the media and the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. I was the commander of British forces in Afghanistan. I have fought in combat zones around the world, including Northern Ireland, Bosnia, Macedonia and Iraq. I was also present throughout the conflict in Gaza in 2014. Based on my experience and on my observations, the Israel Defence Force, the IDF, does more to safeguard the rights of civilians in a combat zone than any other army in the history of warfare. Why is this so? Firstly, Israel is a decent country with Western values run on democratic principles. Israel has no more interest in war than Belgium does. In fact, Israel has never started a war. The only reason it ever goes to war is to defend itself. And it has to defend itself because unlike Belgium, it is surrounded by countries and armed groups that want to destroy it. Secondly, Judaism, with its unsurpassed moral standards, remains a major influence on the citizens of Israel. I say this as a non-Jew. Thirdly, the army is composed overwhelmingly of citizen soldiers. Israel is a small country with a small professional army. To fight a war, it depends on its conscripts and its reservists. These are ordinary citizens from professors to plumbers, called upon to defend their homes. They don't want to be fighting, and they don't want to harm others. Nowhere was the essential morality 
and decency of the IDF more evident than in the Gaza war of 2014. If ever there was a purely defensive war, this was it. The war was started by Hamas, the terror organization, designated as such by the US State Department that runs the Gaza Strip. In the first six months of 2014, Hamas launched hundreds of rockets at Israeli civilians. After repeated warnings from Israel to stop, the Israeli Air Force finally conducted precision strikes to halt the rocket fire. And the IDF advanced into Gaza to destroy a network of terror tunnels that Hamas had constructed to attack Israeli communities near the Gaza border. The IDF took extraordinary measures to give Gaza civilians notice of targeted areas, dropping millions of leaflets, broadcasting radio messages, sending texts, and making tens of thousands of phone calls. Let me repeat that. The Israelis called Gazans on their cell phones and told them to leave their residences and move to safety. Never in the history of warfare has an army phoned its enemy and told them where they're going to drop their bombs. Many IDF missions that could have taken out Hamas military capabilities were aborted to prevent civilian casualties, increasing the risk to Israeli citizens and soldiers. Despite all of this, of course innocent civilians were killed. Every war is chaotic and confusing, and mistakes are frequent. But mistakes are not war crimes. Hamas, on the other hand, committed war crimes as official government policy. Hamas deliberately positioned its military assets among the civilian population, hiding weapons in schools and hospitals and placing rocket launchers alongside apartment buildings, then forced those civilians to stay in areas they knew would be attacked. They also instructed their people to report the lie that every Gazan killed was a civilian, even if they were actually fighters. And if there were no civilian deaths, Hamas made them up. Numerous internet sites show Palestinians elaborately staging sniper victims, and smashed ambulances, among other phony horrors. It's so common, there's even a term for it, Pallywood, as in Palestinian Hollywood. Ironically, it's the leaders of Hamas themselves who best understand the extraordinary measures the IDF will take to protect innocent civilians. They take full advantage of Israel's decency and adherence to the laws of war. No army takes such risks in order to protect civilians as the Israeli army does. I say this as a professional soldier. I say it because it's true. And people who care about truth should know it. I'm Colonel Richard Kemp for Prager University. Join Prager University. Click here to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Click here to sign up for free at PragerU.com for quizzes, contests, and prizes. And joining me now is Eric Metaxas. And uh, Eric, this video, I love how PragerU is so succinct, and they do these videos that provide such a wealth of information and, importantly, the truth. And so your reaction uh, to this video off the top? Well, 
There's a lot to say. I mean, I think, you know, to cut to the chase, the uh, the Israelis, like the Americans, are not perfect, but they're usually the good guys. It's kind of a basic thing. You know that uh, if something goes wrong, it was a mistake, or if it wasn't a mistake, it will be prosecuted. They don't look the other way uh, at war crimes. Neither do we, neither should anyone. But when you hear about uh, the way Hamas or the PLO have conducted themselves over the years, they are routinely involved in lying, uh, just misrepresenting the facts. There's a kind of a bitterness that sort of knows no bounds, and I, and I really think that they they hate the Jews. Let's be honest; it's this is not about territory, or it is it is a deep hatred of Jews. Um, speaking as a Christian, I think that has spiritual roots. The hatred of God's people, uh, it's different than having some kind of a military conflict over borders or something like that. So I, I think if they were going to be logical, um, you know, Yasser Arafat would have taken the deal, whatever it was, how many years ago. Th they seem to be in love with hate, and that doesn't go for all of the Palestinian people, or certainly not all Arabs, but those who are in the forefront of this kind of thing, they, they have an animus against the Jews. That's at the heart of it. And I, I think, you know, pretending it's anything different uh, is silly. You have, to, you have to say what it is. Yeah, and one of the things that struck me about this video is uh, specifically talking about the rules and the laws of war and of military conflict, because um, so many people who are on the side of Hamas and Palestine, like, for example, uh, Representative uh, Ilhan Omar, who is saying, you know, we need to condemn these acts of terrorism. I mean, that's what she's calling this yeah. genuine self-defense of Israel. And so we have to look at everything as, as Americans, but also as human beings. We always have to look at this from a truthful standpoint and say, where was the initial aggression? How do we analyze who is the aggressor versus the defender and understand the principles of just war theory? And, and the root of that, of course, is the term justice. And we in the United States, I mean, we are a Judeo-Christian ethic. We understand that uh, we are built on the foundation of truth and of the truth that comes from God our Creator. You mentioned uh, being Christian, and that Judeo-Christian ethic is built upon the idea that uh, that killing another fellow human being it has to be in a context that is morally justified. And I think one of the things that this video is highlighting is that the uh, that Israel takes that very, very, very seriously as well. They should. Well, but you have to ask, Jenna, why do they take it seriously? Why does anyone take anything seriously? It's because of what you believe. We in America, generally speaking, in the West, uh, Western powers, Israel being one of them, has always said, ultimately, we are under God's authority. We cannot do whatever we like. We have a higher authority. So, yes, we may go to war, but when we go to war, we have to follow certain rules. Uh, we have the Geneva Convention. There are all kinds of ways that you can codify your values. But the fact of the matter is we don't believe anything goes. We don't believe in torture. We don't believe in genocide. We actually feel um, we, we're, we're circumscribed in what we do by what we believe. So if you look at the Nazis, uh, you look at uh, Hirohito's Japan, 
they didn't believe what we in the European Christian West and in America have believed. We, we don't believe that everybody's made in God's image. If you don't believe that, why wouldn't you murder prisoners of war as the Nazis did? Why wouldn't you uh, treat them horribly uh, as the Nazis did? Right, and, and things, we're gonna have to take a break here, but we will be just uh, right back here with more. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Just the Truth, and we're continuing our conversation with Eric Metaxas, my good friend who's the host of The Eric Metaxas Show, and also the author of the brand new book, Fish Out of Water. You have to read this book. It's an amazing testimony, and Eric, I just love that you are so open about your journey and your testimony with Christ, because um, that's, that's what it is. I mean, when we testify to the truth of God, we are literally explaining to people um, the evidence that we have seen of the truth of the biblical account of Jesus Christ by what he has done in our lives and the evidence of the Holy Spirit in us. And um, your book is just such a wonderful reflection of that. And, um, and I want to continue the conversation on, on Israel. And, you know, right before the break, we were talking about this whole idea of the Judeo-Christian ethic and how, um, you know, a lot of people don't even contemplate necessarily why they do the things that they do. But one of my favorite quotations is actually from Mark Hall, who is uh, the lead singer for Casting Crowns. I was at a concert, actually, at, as a teenager with my parents, and he said something very profound that always stuck with me that says, you can say what you think but you'll always live what you believe. And that's absolutely true. Well, I really do think, uh, you know, that we forget sometimes that America is not like other countries. Some countries have become like us, but we were founded uh, not just on biblical principles, but on the idea that all authority comes from God, all rights come from God, and all the government can do is acknowledge it and protect those rights. And really, Israel is the only country that rather explicitly came into being in a similar way. They're under God. So when you're under God, there was a commercial when I was a kid for Hebrew National Hot Dogs, and it said that their standards were more than just the U.S. standards because they answered to a higher authority. When you answer to a higher authority who is God, you're not free to do what you like. You can't say that we, we can crush our enemy by you know, just destroying everybody. You have ethics. You have to fight in wars that are only just wars. And, or if you don't, then Congress and, and others are gonna attack and say, hey, th th we have these standards. We haven't met these standards. Israel goes according to the same thing. Hamas, uh, the PLO, Islamic radicals do not go by these rules. And I think we in America, first of all, have to be aware we have these standards in our military. If I see something, when I saw Abu Ghraib or whatever happened, I thought we need to throw the book at anyone who steps out of line. We are called to a higher standard. When you fight under the flag in the United States of America, you're not free to do as you like. Uh, Israel has a similar view. And I think we have to take that very seriously. They're not simply in it 
to win it. They really do believe that they have to honor God even in how they fight their enemies and that God will stand by them. And I think historically speaking, you can see that he has. Yeah, and, and I think it's such an important point for people to recognize that our government system was founded on the recognition of God being the highest authority. And when our founders uh, issued the declaration, which we were just talking about with uh, Ben Berkham and Amanda Head, um, and th them being at uh, Independence Hall in, Pencil in Pennsylvania, they were talking about the declaration and how our founders unanimously agreed to recognize truth, and they appealed to a higher authority than just the intermediary government. They appealed to the supreme judge of the universe for the rectitude of our intentions. That's the language of the declaration. They knew whose courtroom and whose world that they're in, and when they appealed to the highest form of authority, God himself, they are acknowledging that the source of moral virtue, of ethics, of the definition of truth and justice has to be in the person of God. That's the standard. And when we have any understanding of actions of our military, of our government, of uh, you know anything that we do, we always have to have that recognition of what the standard is. And that doesn't make us, Eric, a theocracy. And I think that's an important point as well to make. It just means that we recognize where morality, ethics, and our American principles and values and heritage come from. And you talk about that in your book, If You Can Keep It. Yeah, you can't, you can't get around the fact that God, uh, faith, religion, virtue, all of these things are inextricably intertwined with the American style of self-government. There's just no way around it. And I think in the, the last 50 or 60 years, the secularization of the culture, we've pushed God out and we've made it seem plausible to people that you can have all of these wonderful things without God. The fact is none of the founders, and I mean none, not Jefferson, not Franklin, the ones that we call deists, they didn't believe that you can have a secular form of, of government that is, or I should say that you can have a government that is free of the ideas of God. You don't want a theocracy. You want to have freedom of religion so that every Jew, every kind of Christian, every atheist, every Buddhist, anybody can do what they like, but you cannot pretend that you won't have God and his ideas as a basis. I mean, we've got state capitals all around the, the country with pictures of Moses and the law. That was the foundation. This is not a quaint thing. This is, it's kind of like math. It's like saying it's cute that Isaac Newton believed two plus two equals four. Well, it might be cute and quaint, but it's still true. What the founders put in place in this country is something that cannot be divorced from these biblical ideas. You cannot enforce biblical faith, but the ideas behind it, the idea of just war, the way you conduct war, all of these ideas play into it. Listen, when we talk about my hero, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, people think like maybe, you know, he just thought, hey, Hitler needed killing. So he got involved in the plot to kill Hitler. No, he understood that he really needed to reason carefully. Is it possible to take the life of a head of state? Under what circumstances would that be appropriate? We don't just do what we like to win to get our way. We have certain rules. And even Bonhoeffer was very careful when he finally got involved in the plot to kill Hitler to really think it through 
uh, he always knew Hitler was a bad guy, but to say it's going to rise to the level of getting involved in a plot to assassinate the Fuhrer, he happened to know that the Nazis were killing millions of Jews. Many Germans didn't know that. So I think that even Bonhoeffer, uh, when he de dealt with the Nazis, who you could, everybody agrees they're evil, but even he said, I can't do whatever I like. I have to be under God, under God's authority, even when I take this drastic step. Mm -hmm. And that that is such a brilliant point to then apply to, um, and I'm going to turn a totally different direction, but apply to election integrity. Because there are so many people that are saying, well, if the Democrats cheated, then why do we need to follow the rule of law? And, you know, they I'm so frustrated with the evil that's going on in the world. Who cares? Why should I go and participate in the vote? It matters because if we as conservatives recognizing that we are conserving truth, which, which includes morality, which includes the principles of fundamental fairness, which includes recognizing that we are bound by the rule of law in this country. We can't simply say, well, they're doing it, so I am too, because why? We appeal to the highest authority, and, and we and have to make sure that we are full of integrity. And Jenna, you know, just to so people understand, we really do believe that God is real, and he will back us up. In other words, it's not like hey, we're happy to lose. We obey God right. and we trust him with the results. And so it doesn't mean you have to really, you, you don't have to really fight sometimes. I think that some Christians push this so far in the direction that they think, well, I don't ever want to get my hands dirty. I don't ever want to fight. I don't ever want to be political. That's preposterous. It's unbiblical and it's just ridiculous. But the fact is, even when we fight, we say that if I fight God's way, God will back me up. Uh, I want to do the right thing. I don't just want to win. I don't want a dirty victory. Uh, I, I want to win the right way. And I think we really have to understand that God does back us up. If we honor him in how we fight, he honors us. And I think that's been true of Israel. And I think generally it's been true of the United States. When you bless Israel also, God will bless you. That's another subject. But I, I think that we have to keep in mind these things are real. These aren't just some crazy mm -hmm. ideas that some Christians have. We believe it because we believe it's actually true. It's not just some religious uh, ideology. Yes, and that the Bible says that God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. A lot of people uh, leave off the second half of that verse, but if we truly claim the promises of God and we are like uh, the great cloud of witnesses that has gone before us in Hebrews 11 and in 12 when uh, when the author of Hebrews is expressing, you know, here are the genuine people who had faith. They believed in the promise of God, therefore they acted and they behaved accordingly. It meant that they genuinely said, we believe and recognize the truth, therefore we will act accordingly. And so when we have faith that God is in control of the outcome, you're right, it doesn't mean that we just say, eh, well, I don't have to do anything and God's in control. I'm going to just, you know, peace out. That's absolutely not the right response. But the response is not also to win at any cost. We have to find the margin um, and stay within those lanes of saying we will act according to the promises of God because you're right, Eric, we believe in the truth and the genuine historical literal fact of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We claim him as our Lord and Savior and therefore we act according to his reality and his truth. I mean, history it's is it's his story. It's li it's limiting in some ways, right? In other words, you could say, well, then I can't... Uh 
I, I can't kill men, women, and children in a village. I can't kill civilians, but you know that that might be bad. They might be holding bombs. They might be. But you you you, you have to abide by the rules, even if potentially it can go against you. You have to trust that. At the same time, we are obliged to fight. We're called to a higher standard in the sense that when somebody says to me, you can't talk about the election being, you know, <laughs> not real. Uh, you can't talk about uh, not wearing masks. You can't talk about don't get the vaccine. And or men being men and women being women. And, yeah. and it's, yeah. And as Christians, uh, anybody who believes in the Bible says the God of the Bible is real. He defeated death. So if I really believe that, I'm not going to have fear to speak the truth. I'm going to speak the truth. And the thing is, this whole nation is based on this. And so particularly in America. And we're going to have to take a break right here. Speak the truth. We'll be right back. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Just the Truth, and I'm continuing the conversation with my good friend Eric Metaxas, the author of the brand new book, Fish Out of Water, but also read his prior books. Um, his book on Bonhoeffer is amazing, and also If You Can Keep It happens to be my favorite, of course, because it's all about uh, the American founding principles. And Eric, one of those founding principles is religious liberty, and that has been tried and tested in America over this past year especially in California. And we have some good news today with our friends at Liberty Council, who uh, actually apparently obtained a settlement uh, that, will, that will result in a statewide permanent injunction against Gavin Newsom and uh, the state of California from, uh, from enforcing these unreasonable and arbitrary COVID restrictions against churches. I mean, I know from defending Pastor John MacArthur and other churches uh, through the Thomas More Society in California, this has just been an absolute intentionally discriminatory action against churches by Gavin Newsom and his office. So this is a great win. Well, before I, I go into that, I just a, a corollary, which comes, uh, it's the same idea, is that notice that those of us who believe in God believe in religious liberty, right? So Israel, in their laws, they will protect Muslims. They will protect atheists. They don't say, if you're not a Jew, if you're not a faithful Jew, we're not going to protect you. No, there's out of their biblical faith comes the idea of respect for people with whom they differ. That idea is unique to the West. Let's be honest, we've got that in America. So out of faith, you get respect for people who have no faith. That's the conundrum, and that's the beauty of of real liberty. Uh, so if you want to know who the good guys are, you know, that tells you something. And that's but a also, reflection. That is a reflection of biblical truth that God does not force and compel us to believe right. in him. He calls us and stirs our heart. And we, we are all searching for the truth. And we all have to answer life's most important question, which is who do we say that the true God is? But how we answer that question, how we go about discovering that should not be state compelled. Absolutely. Right. It should not at all ever be a be in the province of the state to say mandatorily because you live in X state or X country, you have to identify with this particular religion. That's the essence of and, religious liberty. 
And the flip side of that, of course, is where we are in places like California or New York, when you have the government trying to enforce a secular view. It's no different than forcing Sharia law or forcing Christian law. The fact of the matter is that if you don't understand church and separation of church and state, if you don't understand religious liberty, you can get this wrong going in any direction. And so when right. you have folks like Gavin Newsom overreaching and trying to say, we're not going to give you uh, respect in the churches. We're going to we're going to treat you poorly. We're going to even act with a secular animus against religion. If you don't push back, you deserve what you get. In California, they push back vigorously. We need to do that on every issue in every state in the union. If you do not push back against government bullying, you deserve to be bullied. We have to protect our freedoms by living them out. And first of all, I applaud. Uh, you know, the pastors that I know, there have been heroic, uh, you know, Che Ahn and Jack Hibbs uh, and, and Pastor Rob McCoy, they have really stuck their necks out there. But we all benefit because they've been really brave. But the rest of us have to be brave, too. When somebody tells you you can't talk about the vaccine, make sure you talk about it. When they say you can't talk about election fraud, make sure you talk about it. Do not let people tell you what you can say or can't say. That's not the American way. If we don't understand it and live it out, we will suffer and we'll lose the liberties we have. Oh, so well said. And that's why I'm so grateful, Eric, that you stand up boldly and you are a leader in this because you will never shrink back from talking about the truth, um, from bringing people on your show, from coming on shows like mine to say we have to talk about truth because if we're unwilling to have the conversations, then how will we ever inform each other and discover together the truth? And that's what the whole understanding of a legitimate form of government is. Of course, as we've talked about, we have to stay within principled parameters. The essence of freedom and liberty is not just the license to do whatever you want and that the government is only there to arbitrate contract disputes. That's not a legitimate form of government because even the leftists know that a moral ethic is ingrained in our very DNA because we are human beings made in the image of God. And so we understand that there is a measurable difference between right and wrong and good and evil. We all know that. And so, we're, so we have to have the principle and we have to have the guardrails up to, to say that things like murder and rape and abortion are wrong. We have to make sure that that's part of our government process. But on the flip side, we have to recognize that genuine freedom and liberty means that how you run your family, how I run my family, what we say we believe in in terms of truth and free exercise, exercise of religion, is going to vary. And that's where, as Christians, what our responsibility is, is to exercise that freedom by speaking up in the public square, by telling people, I want to share my faith with you because I have the liberty and freedom to tell you about the truth, to have these conversations. Because guess what? We're so privileged to live in America because our government doesn't compel us to prefer one religion over the other or compel us to shut up about the truth. That's the essence of freedom and liberty. Amen. And I just want to say that Again, Americans, you must speak up. Don't be shy. When I see people wearing masks, walking down the street in New York City, which most people do, I just think this is amazing. There's no scientific reason for wearing the mask. Uh, it's utterly preposterous. There's no scientific reason for getting the vaccine. There's, you're free to get it, but there are so many questions. The idea that everybody should get the vaccine. No, a lot, a lot of people uh, have suffered from getting the vaccine. A lot of people have gotten the vaccine and then they get COVID anyway. There's all kinds of questions. 
we need to have an open and free society. Discuss the science. Don't be afraid. Don't knuckle under to any narrative that anybody's trying to push on you. Folks, it happened in Germany. You can read the story of Bonhoeffer. We will go down the same path unless we act differently. We have no excuse. We have the story of Bonhoeffer as a warning, but we also have traditions in America. We're supposed to know what it is to be free. We have separation of church and state, but now's the time. It's a good learning time for Americans to, to see, do we really know this? Do we need, need to get a refresher on these things? Because if we don't, uh, we will go the way of all flesh. We will, this, this, uh, the liberty will not last. Absolutely. And I love that you invoke the term separation of church and state because so many leftists and even Christians and conservatives misunderstand that term. The term separation of church and state as the leftists would like to uh, frame it. And of course, you know, they're master manipulators of uh, linguistics and they want to harness that term and they want to push out a completely false narrative to say that that means that God has no involvement in society or in our government. That is a false definition of separation of church and state. What you're, you just you're said, putting it Eric. Kindly. It's a filthy yeah. lie. It is yes. really a vile, vile, despicable lie. And everyone needs to understand what the founders meant by separation of church and state, religious liberty. It means we are to protect churches and people of faith from government intrusion. The government has no right to even have a loud opinion on this. They have to really keep their noses out of it, let the people be free, let the people decide for themselves. Uh, if you can't do that, you're not in line with the Constitution. Absolutely, and that goes for the province of the church, it goes for parental rights, the province of the family, it goes for things like the freedom to choose to take the vaccine or not. You have to analyze all of the factors. There are a lot of legitimate arguments on both sides, and for the people who say, well, you are selfish if you don't take the vaccine, you have no idea a lot of uh, the contemplations that the individual will decide for themselves. This is why we have freedom, but it has to be a legitimate choice. It's not my body, my choice when it comes to the intentional killing of an unborn human child. It's not your body, therefore it's not your choice. So we have to stay within those moral parameters. And that's why it's so important to parse the difference between right and wrong. And that's why we will be right back with more on Just the Truth. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Just the Truth, and we're continuing the conversation with Eric Metaxas, the author of Fish Out of Water. And Eric, right before the break, I was talking about uh, you know the legitimate choices that people have in terms of exercising their freedom, what the government can and can't do. And that uh, raises the question, because obviously abortion is not a moral, legitimate choice. It's not my body, my choice. We're talking about two bodies. Uh, we're talking about the baby and uh, the, uh, the unborn child. And so the Supreme Court this week has decided to take up an abortion case. And I'm wondering your thoughts on the current composition of the court and uh, also what Chuck Schumer might have to say, because this is what he said last time. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Disgusting. Eric. 
What a gas bag. <laughs> Has there ever been a bigger gas bag? I've never heard so much nonsense. I mean, he really is, he's a silly figure. As somebody who lives in New York, uh, I just have to say, he's hes ridiculous. He's, he's laughable, even if he were saying something that made sense. But it's just, it's just preposterous. He's not very threatening, right? You have released the whirlwind. Okay, whatever, whatever, Chuck. Uh, look, when you're talking about the issue of abortion, it is a very divisive issue. We understand that, right? But there's certain times when you're dealing with uh, the issue of slavery. Slavery, uh, I wrote a book about William Wilberforce, Amazing Grace. Slavery was a divisive issue in this country and in Great Britain. In England, it was an incredibly divisive issue. Just because something's a divisive issue doesn't mean like, oh, both sides are, are sort of right. There could be good people on both sides, but they can't both be right. Um, in my book that you mentioned, Fish Out of Water, I tell the story in case everybody thinks that, you know, uh, I always thought the way that I do. I tell the story of before I came to faith of participating uh, in the horror of an abortion, of of going along with it, uh, because my girlfriend at the time had become pregnant. I was very, very naive, but I look back on it now, and it is it couldn't be more horrifying to it. So to to, to think about, but that is why I have grace for people who are on the other side. I don't say, oh, they're sort of right. They and I, I was wrong, and they are wrong. But we have to have grace and understand that there are people that totally don't understand this. And, and, and I think that we have to understand, apart from the grace of God, we would all be on the wrong side of every issue. But this is not an issue like the issue of, do we kill the Jews in the death camps? Uh, do we have slavery? You can't really pretend that there are, you know, they, they, yeah, they've got a point about, you know, gassing the Jews. They, they have a point. Sometimes you have to say, I'm sorry, uh, you don't have a point. And when it comes to killing the unborn, we have to say, we can't do that. We won't do that. I hope that uh, that nominating a number of originalists to the court will make it easy, that they, this is not something that they can be timid and you know run under the desk because they don't want to deal with it like they did with a lot of the election cases. They will have an obligation. I think they know they have an obligation to rule clearly on what the Constitution says with regard to this. And people like Chuck Schumer can blather all they want. This is a life and death issue. And uh, all they have on their side is histrionics, a lot of drama, a lot of anger. The facts uh, are that we don't have the right to take an innocent life. Doesn't matter how that life came into being. It is a human life, no different than yours or mine or Chuck Schumer's. And I think that we we have to be willing to deal with it. It's it's the human rights issue of our time. Yeah, and it's and it goes back to what we talked about in the very beginning of justice. And if we look at the moral ethic, whether it is just war theory and when you're talking about killing within the context of war, when you're talking about killing, which is the intentional taking of a human life. And that's, that's what abortion is. I mean, and so when we contemplate all of these different subjects, that's why you can't just isolate them to what's my position on abortion in a vacuum or what's my position on Israel in a vacuum. You always have to bring it down to the fundamental starting place of what is the truth? What is justice? What does justice require? What does God himself as the divine lawgiver require? And then your policy positions are actually very easy because you build up from that foundation and everything should be consistent if you're conserving truth. 
I, I also think, you know, I mentioned Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer, who was a pastor, and he had a pastor's heart for people who were struggling. Uh, if a woman uh, was pregnant and she didn't want to be pregnant or she thought, I, I don't know how I'm going to feed this kid, he had compassion. But he also believed in truth. And he said, there is no doubt. There can be no doubt. This is the deliberate taking of a human life. Bonhoeffer said it. I put it in my book. I think a lot of people were shocked that Bonhoeffer said that, but he did say it. And so he had compassion for people who were struggling, but it doesn't change the bottom line. The bottom line is this is a life. Similarly, Bonhoeffer understood a lot of the German uh, animus toward the Jews, but he said it doesn't, doesn't change the fact that, that it's wrong, that these are human beings, that we as a civilized nation cannot behave this way. And he also understood these really are God's people. And uh, in the same way that we have a, a view of Israel, that we don't divorce it from the biblical idea that, yes, these are God's people. This is the land God gave to them. It doesn't mean I want to I want to hasten the end times. I'm not breeding a red heifer, you know, in my parents' <laughs> backyard or trying to do anything like that. But at the same time, I've got to be consistent with what I believe. Yes, and, and as you said, Eric, we have to boldly stand up for truth. And I'm so grateful that you do that every day. And I just love when you can come and join me on Just the Truth. Thank you so much and look forward to having you on again soon. Eric Metaxas, my good friend, who is the author of Fish Out of Water, Bonhoeffer, uh, so many great books, my favorite, If You Can Keep It. And definitely tune in to the Eric Metaxas Show every day. Um, he has some great guests on, sometimes me included. But now let's go to Just the Word. Revelation 22, 20 through 21 says, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. And I ended purposely tonight with Revelation uh, because that should be the on the heart and mind of every Christian is to always look at all the things that are happening in the world and to pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And while he yet tarries, because we do believe in a physical return of our Lord Jesus, that we continue to fulfill the Great Commission and testify to the truth of God every day, in every sphere, in every possible moment that we can, because we are called to, and He is responsible for the outcome. That's it for this episode of Just the Truth. I'm Jenna Ellis, and we are sponsored by the Thomas More Society, which is a not-for-profit national public interest law firm dedicated to restoring respect in law for life, family, and religious liberty. You can find out more about the Thomas More Society and the incredible work that we do there at thomasmoresociety.org. And I will be back tomorrow and every Monday through Friday here on Just the Truth.